episode 71 of the Get Around Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Summers. Alongside me, per usual, James Cook, Jake Atnip, and uh, we've got a great show lined up for you today. We're probably going to skip the small talk a little bit because we've got a great interview with yet another area state champion, Traverse City St. Francis wrestler Andy Simaz, won the 152-pound title in Division Four on Saturday at Ford Field in Detroit. I, state just, champs that, three weeks in a row. Yeah, not only three state champs, but three fantastic interviews. I mean, I think yeah, the, the yeah. bar is very quickly being raised here at the get-around. Absolutely. Yeah, Andy was great, and of course he follows up a Finn husband and Hannah Shramsky, who each won skiing titles a week ago. And uh, so, yeah, he, he sits down with us in the studio. We'll give a listen to that interview later. And we're going to kick off the show with our second annual prep girls basketball draft. We did the boys a couple of weeks ago. We're going to do the girls this week as districts just get fired up on Monday. I guess by the time you're listening to this, they got fired up on Monday. But before these teams, or too many of these teams, get eliminated, we want to do our girls draft and uh, try to outdo each other yet again. Yeah, I, I think this week, whoever wins rock, paper, scissors actually has some legitimate ramifications because I think we've got a clear number one. Probably. Yes, I, I, Maybe. I, would, I, Maybe. I would agree. Maybe. Maybe. I think we should have people clamoring to be our guest next week. Yeah, right. Because that means you're going to get the get-around bump and you're going to win a state championship. Yeah, you're pretty close. Or, well, I right? guess Simaz was after right? the state championship, but same thing. Well, Shramsky was afterwards, too, but still. That means, you, that means three, sta- three state champions in a row. Going for four next week. Maybe, maybe Pressure's on you, Bay Reps. I was going to say, <laughs> another Bay Rep or a couple <laughs> of the basketball teams who are left moving on. That's right. So let's let's do our uh, let's our, do our live rock paper scissors here real quick, gentlemen. All righty, ready? Rock paper scissors shoot. Okay, we all did the scissors. scissors. You gotta go quick. Three scissors. Rock paper scissors shoot. Ow. Okay, you guys gotta Your go third. for number one. I'm number three. All righty. Rock paper scissors shoot. Okay. Rock paper scissors shoot. Damn! Stop throwing rock! Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> So James wins the number one overall pick. Jake, you rock every Jake time. Bam! Well, sometimes that's the smart way to go about it. You rock every time. I'm rocking it out. All right, James, let's get this draft kicked off in style. I think we all know who the number one pick is going to be, but let's uh, make your selection and give us a little bit about our number one overall girls player. Hmm. I have to think about this. I have to think about this. Wait, wait. Oh, wait. At least stuck. From Charlevoix. All-time leading uh, point scorer in Charlevoix school history. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a good cornerstone to have on your team. She's, and she's going to add to that by a lot. Yeah, she's almost over 1,500 with what I would imagine is a good number of games left to go this postseason. And then, you know, we always assume health around here, mm-hmm. uh, a, senior year, a senior year on top of it. She could hit 2,000 pretty easy. Yeah. All right, I'm going to... You're number three. Oh, shoot. Go ahead, Jake. <laughs> Don't be trying to steal my picks. I'm, I'm going number two just because. Um, for number two. Making, I need to quit saying that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm going number two. <laughs> okay, so. I saw you looking at my Oh, no, I was just chart. I was taking a look around. Back off. All right, who's your number two My pick, number Jake? two, I am going to take. Do I need a Jeopardy music? Yeah, right. The okay. suspense of this? I thought you That's were right. ready. No, okay, I, I'm, gonna, okay, no, I'm gonna, number two, I'm going to take Brittany Bowman from Kingsley. On any given night, she can go off for twenty-five plus points, and at her size, she's she's like a Russell she's like a Russell Westbrook in uh, high school girls basketball. Can put up ten boards, assists crossed all over the place. So, all right. Well, if I couldn't go number one overall, I'm pretty happy to be going number three. The two girls that I'm gonna start my team with, I'm gonna take Benzie Central's Abby Bretsky and Manton's Abby Brown. So Abby and Abby. We're gonna we're gonna start a, a law firm here, Abby, Abby, and whoever. We'll, we'll see who I get at number. There's a few more Abbies out there. Summers, okay. And Summers, right? all right. Abby, Abby, and Summers. So yeah, Benzie's Bretsky, Manton's Brown, both put up huge numbers and put up a lot of different huge numbers across the board: rebounds, assists, steals, that kind of thing. Both leading very talented teams. Benzie, obviously, you know, beating Kingsley last week. That's big for them as they go into district play. And Manton, winners of the Highland Conference. And uh, having a big showdown with Glen Lake on Monday night. So oh, teams 14-plus wins. Pretty happy with that. Alrighty, so down at number five. 
I am going to take my first post player in Grace Bradford, the freshman from Glen Lake. She has been tearing it up this season. She double-double on a regular and uh, has been leading the Glen, well, helping lead the Glen Lake team. There's plenty of weapons out there for the Lakers uh, into the playoffs. Go ahead, James. Number two, six right? and seven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill up my backcourt right here. Uh, I'm going to go with Trevor City West, Sierra Perquet, and then have going along with her uh, three-point juggernaut in uh, Alex Hunter. From Gaylord St. Mary. Gaylord St. Mary. That would be second teamer on our all-region teams last year. Stuck in the middle and those two at guards to pull the defense out from stuck. Oh, that'd be crazy good. All right, uh, Jake at number eight. I'm going to go ahead and take Reagan Thor from Frankfurt. Nice Just as of late, yeah, she's been she's been tearing it up lately, and she can she can put up a solid twenty points per night. But she also has a very very good defensive game. Or twenty six in a comeback effort in the second half. Right in one half. I sorry Benzie. Sorry Benzie. <laughs> I'll take that clutch performance <laughs> on my team any day. All right, at number nine, I'm looking to bring in some physicality and aggressiveness uh, in. She's kind of a a little bit of a swing forward. Uh, but she can kind of play all across the board. I was able to see her play a couple weeks ago. Uh, but that's East Jordan's Jaden Weber. All right, I'm going to take a three-point specialist here at number 10 and uh, grab the second stag off the board in Kingsley's J.C. King. Jake at number 11. I'm going to take some guard help down here at number 11. And we talked a little bit about her before we started this draft, but I'm going to take Paige Kohler from North Bay. Uh, she's been the bright spot for that team all year. They were only able to manage a few wins, but I can only imagine what type of production she would have on a team such as my fantasy team if, if she had these other girls around her. All right, I got my, I got my uh, guards set here, and then Elise, who can kind of play anywhere. So I'm going to go size here. I'm going to go with Cam Schaub from St. Francis. Rebounding machine, good defensive player. Plays around the rim. And then I'm going to go with some more height and go with Austin DeWeese in the middle, too. DeWeese, Schaub, and Stuck in the middle. Yeah, that's a, that's a tall a, bunch. You've got a pretty long team. That, that would be pretty tough to deal with. It would be a shame if we had some three-point specialists to make up for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I already do in Hunter and Perquette. We're talking about us. I know. I'm saying, team. I know. I'm saying I already have some three-point shooters, too. There's going to be no zoning on my team. At number 14, who are you going to take, Jake? At number 14, I kind of need somebody who can do it all. You know, I got some size, I got some guards. I want somebody who can do it all. So I'm going to take Leland's Olivia Lowe. She's put up some triple doubles, some close numbers like that all year round. So, you know, I like an all-around type of player. All right, I've got 15 and 16 coming up here. I'm going to take Gaylord's Becca Ross, who pace the Blue Devils each of the last two years. She puts up big numbers. The you know Gaylord hasn't had a ton of team success. She's definitely one of the better individual ballers in the Big North. And then at 16, I think I'm going to jump. I think I'm going to jump to a bit of a wild card here. Uh, the numbers always back her up. The competition maybe that they play is a little uh, lesser. So it you know tough to see say what it would translate say sh- if she were playing a Lake Michigan or Northwest Conference, but when you consider even just the sheer number of triple doubles that she's produced, I'm gonna take uh, GTA's Megan Sharpenberg to come off my bench at number six, playing with a bunch of good good players like that. I, I can't imagine she wouldn't still be an effective player. Hmm, it's kind of a kind of a tough one now. So Jake at seventeen. It's tough because there's a few girls who I want on my team, but we only get six, so it's like, man, who's the last one that I want to sneak in there? Because you, you expect that you guys to steal some of the people, but there is such a big talent pool. Know, of, 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 we could go on a couple rounds. Yeah, we really could. I, 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 have, plenty, to, no, I have plenty written down, but I think I'm going to... Yeah, I would say there's a good five girls here that I'm not going to get, that probably won't be on anyone's team that I would like to put on my team. Exactly my point. So uh, it's hard to make the call, but I have seen her play this year. I like her play style. Uh, you know, maybe make a deep run into the playoffs. It's going to be a hard first-round matchup. But Jane Weiler from Manton, uh, she's aggressive. She likes to go right to the rim. And as a six-person six off the bench, that type of energy might be really, really necessary. So there's my team. James with number 18 in the final pick of the second annual 
get around prep girls basketball draft. Who are you taking? Well, I'm I'm just I'm surprised this person is still there because she's a double double machine. I'm going to take Elk Rapids. Kendall, Kendall Brown. Brown. Yep. yep. She was one of those five that and and Wilder was so so there are at least three more players that I would like to add to my team, but we only went six deep. So I, I think we did this last time. We can we can just rattle off some of these players who are who are in contention. I got you know Abby Hodge, Frankfurt, Emily Loney, Frankfurt, Caitlin Shop from Glen Lake, Addison Letts. Who else? Libby Rebecca, Jeffers, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, Ellen Bretsky. Ellen Bretsky. I wanted to take those two as a tandem, yeah. but uh, you took you took Abby so quickly. You went Abby and Abby instead of Abby and Ellen. If we're, going, if, if we're going under our previous assumptions of health, then we Haley Helling would be in there. Yep, yep. I'm Becca Bohr from TC West. She, she's mm-hmm. another double-double machine. Colleen McCarthy. Yeah, Bonnet Shelby K. Haley Bunkley. May. Haley May. Yeah. Uh, uh, Abby and Cross. Then, yep. And then my other, my, 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 my big sleeper, if it, you know, it came to that was going to be Aaliyah Deal from TC West. Yeah, she's only a sophomore, five ten, five eleven, energy player. Molly Anderson, she's going to be really good in a couple of years. They led her to led them a fifteen and two record. Yeah, there's yeah. a couple of Cadillac. Yeah, a Macy couple. Brown. Mm-hmm. Yep. Libby Durr. Yeah, there's there's plenty of girls out there. So if you got left off our teams, we were still thinking about you. We just have to whittle this down to a lot smaller than maybe maybe we won't be as rushed next year and we can have a longer draft. But that's because we're in the middle of girls. we got to get out to games. Yeah, we're in the middle of girls' basketball districts. We want to see all the girls who we just drafted out on the court so that way we can see how they perform we once on our fans' We a bunch teams. of the girls that we just drafted. <laughs> yes, the, we are. The two games we're going to tonight. Well, gentlemen, let's run through our teams real quick. I'll start it off. I've got Benzie Central's Abby Bretzky, Manton's Abby Brown, East Jordan's Jaden Weber, Kingsley's J.C. King, Gaylord's Becca Ross, and GTA's Megan Sharpenberg. James? I start out with uh, Lindsay's, er, with, with Elise Stuck. Not Elsie, as I heard her called on the radio one time. But uh, Elise Stuck. And then I uh, went to my backcourt with Sierra Burkett from Traverse City West and Alex Hunter from Gaylord St. Mary. And then from the rest on was just height, height, and height with Cam Schaub, Austin DeWeese, and Kendall Brown. All right, with my first pick, I took... Kingsley scorer and leader Brittany Bowman, very explosive player with the Glen Lake freshman Grace Bradford uh, headlining my post players. Also down there with Olivia Lowe from Leland, Reagan Thor from Frankfurt, North Bay's Paige Kohler, their electric scorer who's been putting up 25 plus a game it seems. And coming off the bench I have Manton's explosive scorer. I think your starting five is an all Northwest Conference five. It is, it is actually, but uh... Jane Wilder coming in at six, coming out of the Highland and going to make some waves. All right, well, like I said, after the boys' draft, let's get these teams together in a gym somewhere and uh, have them play it out because it would be fun. Second annual Prep Girls Basketball Fantasy Draft brought to you by Jimmy John's, two locations in Traverse City. Freaky Fresh, Freaky Fast, Jimmy John's, Freaky Yeah. I mentioned at the top we had Traverse City St. Francis wrestler Andy Simaz, or Sumaz as his teammates call him, uh, because apparently nobody can pronounce Simaz, which is w- weird. That's like my last name. Five letters. The announcements. Yeah, that's well, the same thing. Five letters. It seems like people can never get it right. People got my name wrong in wrestling. Cook. Tournament. Yeah. Okay. I got announced. On. I got announced several times as cool. Like well, they missed somebody's like they, writing. That's what it was. Somebody maybe. just messed up the writing on their pencil sheet. Or they just knew. But uh, cool. Oh God, no! <laughs> that was definitely not what they meant. But we had a great conversation with Andy. Glad he could drop by the Get Around Podcast studio. So let's go ahead and listen to that conversation now. I'm excited to welcome in Andy Simaz from Traverse City, St. Francis, the Division IV 152-pound state champion wrestler from this past weekend. He went undefeated Friday and Saturday to claim that championship. He's just a junior. Thanks for joining us in studio, Andy. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. All right. So you were you were telling us just a little while ago that basically Saturday rolls around, only one match to wrestle, the final. You're nervous for six hours. How, how bad does the nervousness get, and then what has that emotion shifted to over the last 48? Well, um, like, first of all, like, going to sleep on that Friday night is pretty tough. You just got to, like, I, what I did is I kind of just watched TV until I was dead tired to the point where I just instantly fall asleep. My eyes, like, I couldn't keep my eyes open because I was just so nervous. And then I woke up on, my uh, teammate had to wrestle 
Saturday morning because he was he got on it the next day, and I woke up with him at like seven o'clock, and I Ooh. told myself I'm like I'm just gonna wake up and then go back to sleep. And I couldn't go back to sleep. <laughs> so I, I tried for like an hour to go back to sleep, and I just sat in my bed, like, my eyes open, and I couldn't fall back asleep. So I just ended up just waking up and kind of just chilling out. But you, your, like, stomach is hurting. I feel like I'm going to throw up, like, the entire day. Just basically doing anything just is not very pleasant. So, 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 how do you, so if you'd lost that match, how much crap would you have given Brennan over there? Oh, I don't know. Probably a lot. <laughs> Yeah, probably a lot, because I didn't, I, I mean, I got a solid, like, seven, eight hours of sleep, but, like, I wanted more, because, <laughs> like, right, like, right before I match, I, I felt, like, super tired, but then, like, eventually I started to get a little more weak. So, aside from watching your teammate, Brendan Nicodemus, wrestle, I mean, what were you trying to do to cope with that? Were you, did you kind of shut yourself off from everybody? Were you, did you go back to the TV or listen to music, or what, what were you trying to do to get away I, from I it? actually did, like, the complete opposite. I tried to talk to as much people, just, like, keep conversation the entire day to keep my mind off of wrestling, because the more you think about it, the even more nervous that you get. So, I just, like, I went to Ford Field to go watch Brennan wrestle, or, yeah, Brennan, my teammate, wrestle, and then, um... I just ended up just hanging out with friends, talking to friends, talking to my dad, talking to my parents, cousins that came, uncles that came, all that, and just kind of kept that going until I needed to start mentally preparing. Now, had you had you reached finals individually before this season? No, the freshman and sophomore year, I went one and two, so I, I didn't place my freshman and sophomore year. Okay, uh, but I mean, you got to the to the site. Yeah. Excuse me, not the not the championship match, but you got to to individual final. Yeah, I, uh, I went to states. Yeah. Okay, so what what did you learn through those two years that helped you this year? Well, I the my freshman sophomore year, I just I got so nervous before my matches, and I was just too like afraid to do anything in all my matches. So this year, I kind of opened up a little more. Uh, yeah, basically, I just opened up a little more of my matches, so I felt more comfortable wrestling in front of a big crowd because that was my big problem. My freshman and sophomore year was just not being able to wrestle in front of a big crowd. So was the nerves not something you typically had to deal with during the regular season then? It wasn't until you got there, or do you still get butterflies a little bit during the regular season? Uh, in some of the finals matches in the regular season, like in some big tournaments, I still get butterflies, but it's most of the teams that are there are people that are there I kind of know. Because I've seen them before, like all the all the tournaments that we go to, we usually see familiar teams. When you're at the state finals, you got the D1 big teams, the D2 big teams that I've never seen before, and there's just like thousands of people there, so that makes it really, really nerve wracking. Now you had to win four matches in a row over the weekend, and that that's a lot more difficult than it sounds, especially when you're going up against the top what 16 wrestlers in your weight class in the state could you just describe how it how it builds from that first match all the way into the last match because I know the first one does not feel like the last one yeah the first one in all honesty is probably one of the hardest because uh you go in there you don't know like the first match usually sets how you're going to perform for the rest of the tournament if you don't do good your first match you're going to be like thinking to yourself you're going to be doubting yourself doubting your ability so the first match you really have to like go all out try and score as many points, get a, as quick a pin as possible, kind of show everyone there that you're there not to mess around. So you just build off of that win kind of going up. So you had you only had the one match on Saturday. So were you able to do much as far as preparing for that one guy? Were you able to watch maybe some of his video or, or anything? or? Uh, yeah, we, we watched a lot of his videos. We watched all of his videos from that weekend. And we had some videos from last year, obviously. And we, we talked to some people that have wrestled him, looked at the kids that he's wrestled, and we kind of figured out what he, would, what he was going to do from there. How much of that, did that end up working for you? I mean, helping as far, or was it just you get into the match and you kind of forget all that, or it doesn't really matter? Well, the one thing that we prepared for for like three, four weeks before was uh, what's called a cross-face cradle, where it goes across your face, grabs mm-hmm. your arm, and then locks your leg. And that guy, the guy that I wrestled, if you see him, he's like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, so he's really long. So he can get those, like, super easily. And that's what we were practicing against because he beats all of his kids in that one move. That's, like, the only move that he does. He beats all of his kids <laughs> in that. So we were, we were preparing so much for that, and he ended up only trying it on me, like, once in the match. So, like, you prepare all that, all that for, like, one time it happening, but I mean, it's worth it because he didn't get it on me. So, mm-hmm. I mean... 
All it takes is one one move to finish the match. That's the difference. That's the yeah. thing about wrestling. I mean, in the technical sense, how much do you prepare for each opponent, or is it more about honing your own skills and knowing and trusting the way that you move on the map? It's it's more about getting comfortable with your type of style. Like, uh, I guess in, like, college level, you have so much film on people where you can look at film on every single person and prepare individually for that match. But high school is obviously a lot easier than college, so you just got to get comfortable with your style, get really good at your style, and then go out there and trust that you can do your style on any wrestlers. Yeah, and it's not easy to find film on high school kids necessarily yeah, not, either. Not really. especially, especially you go to a regular old tournament on a Saturday during the regular season, you could face any of 16 kids or something. Yeah, maybe. it's, it's kind of hard to get film on high school people, yeah. yeah. You beat Hudson's Jorge Sereno 6-4 to four in that final just sort of walk us through the process of that match and how it ended up in your favor. Uh, for, so the first period, we started on our feet, and I, I, I talked to my dad, talked to my coaches, everyone. The one thing I want to do was stay on my feet because if I get on bottom, he's going to have that cross-face cradle, and I'm just most comfortable on my feet. Uh, so the first period, obviously, I was really nervous because of the finals match. This is the most people I've been wrestling in front of in my entire life and that kind of got in my head before the match so the first period I was I was really like hesitant uh, I didn't really do much like for a minute and a half I didn't do much but then finally uh, at like the end of the first period I took a shot ended up taking him down and that was really huge getting a getting a two-point head start in the match uh, and I, I got it close enough to the end of the match where I could just ride him out and the period would end and then the second period I think he ended up taking down which we kind of expected, and I just rode him out for as long as I could, kind of just let him up, and then uh, we were on our feet again. I, th- I ended up getting another takedown. I don't know how long until the second period, uh, so I was up 4-1, to one. and then I ended up just letting him up again because he's just really long, so he just like kind of postures up, and I can't really, I can't really do anything <laughs> about that. But um, then he stood up, so it was 4-2. And then he ended up doing what's called a slide-by, which uh, I was posting my hand a little too much on his shoulder, and he kind of just shucked my hand towards him and got around me and ju- kind of just threw me down. So he he got that takedown. It was 4-4. And then the third period, uh, it was my choice, and obviously we talked about it with my dad. I wanted to be neutral. I wanted to be on my feet. I didn't want to get down. Usually you want to take down because you stand up, you get the point. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, pretty easy. That's why he took down in the first or in the second so he could get the one-point stand-up. So, yeah, uh, usually want to take down. But we took neutral because we didn't want to be down on him because that was his best move was when I was down. Um, so we took neutral, and nothing really happened. Took a few shots, did a few moves, tried to try to get stuff working. But nothing ended up happening. So we went into overtime because it was 4-4. Four oh, four. <laughs> yeah, so mm-hmm. it was sudden victory. And I knew at the beginning of overtime, all I got to do is score. I score, and the match is over. Because in the third period, you can score in the first 10 seconds of the first period. He still has the rest of the third period to score. So so when you get the overtime, you want to think, all I need to do is score, so I just got to go 100% for like 20 seconds, and then I'm done. I'm done. I'm a state champion. I'm done. So uh, right off the bat, I moved him a little, took the shot, ended up getting sprawled out. Uh, but I, I kind of got down in that position. Uh, he, he hooked my ankle, actually, which if you hook someone's ankle, usually you get two. But he was on his back when he hooked my ankle. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like a really weird position. I don't know how to describe it. Um, but it was a really weird position. I ended up getting out of his ankle hook, uh, switching off to a double leg, and driving him out of bounds. But uh, we were in bounds enough to where I got the takedown. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so when you when you know that you just got, I mean, what's the instant? What was the instant reaction when you know you got those points and it's done? Well, I I, I got the take or I I took him down and I first I thought we were out of bounds, but then I heard behind me my dad and the other coach in the corner yelled two, and I looked back looked at the ref he he held up the two and I just I threw my hands up stood up and I just ran to that I was like cheering I was like so happy and for like like before when I took him down I was dead tired I had like no energy left and then like when I saw him put up the two I just like jumped up as quickly as possible and I had like a f- I was full of energy so I mean 
it goes to show that like you can do you have a lot more energy than you yeah. actually think. <laughs> now this is obviously the culmination of your season. Could you ever have imagined that it was going to be overtime in the state finals in front of like you said thousands of people with which was one of the things you might have been scared of going in. Uh yeah, in all honesty, I don't think I wrestled that good of a match. Uh not I'm not, I'm not trying to be cocky, but like but I don't think it should have been that close. I I was just super nervous obviously. I said I the whole first period, I didn't go how I wanted to go, even though I did get a takedown. Uh, we were looking to get takedown, kind of just let him up, get a takedown again, and just keep that going. But I was a little too hesitant. I was really nervous, obviously, because I was in front of a huge crowd. But, um, yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I wrestled good enough, I guess you could say. I won. So, I mean, That's all you can ask I wrestled for, right? good enough, <laughs> as good as I probably could under that pressure, but... But yeah, I mean, do, do I you think know. do you think that that pressure will go away now if you make it back there next year? Or do you think it's always going to stay the same? I I honestly I don't think it'll go away. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I talked to, talk to like some guys because before my match we they had the march of all the um all the state placers and I was talking with some of my friends that have been in the state finals before, and he's he's like it never goes away. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're gonna be nervous the entire time. He's like all you can do is just try and cope with it, and I I tried to get some. He said, and he's the one who told me to just keep on talking to people, try and keep your mind off of it. So I, I did that as much as I could, but, but I, I don't. Th I think I'm gonna get nervous <laughs> if I get there next year. I'm gonna be as nervous as I was this year. There's probably no way around that. Yeah, not really. So obviously, you go into the day with a shot at being a state champ. Did the feeling of being a state champ? Did it? How did it compare to what you thought it might feel like? I. Uh, the best way I can describe it is it's like a birthday, basically. Like, you're, it's your birthday, you wake up, you're super happy, like, everyone's saying, like, like happy birthday, it's your birthday, you get presents, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. But the day after, you just wake up and you're just like, I mean, I guess, I'm a state <laughs> champ, but, like, it's kind of over, I guess. <laughs> like, I wrote it out for as long as I could. But, um, I don't know, it's like, before the match... Uh, like to pump myself up, I'm just like I'm just like I'm, I win this match, I'm gonna be state champ. I told myself that probably a hundred times before a match. Win this match, you're state champ. Win this match, you're state champ. Kept on telling me that, and I guess it worked out. So you don't you don't think you're gonna be riding that uh, that defense throne all the way through next year? I uh, probably not. No. no. <laughs> yeah. I mean it, the the feeling the like feeling that I had at, right after my match is has gone, okay. kind of. Okay. I just feel like a normal person now. <laughs> it's got to be really different at, at the finals with all those thousands of people there, considering that every day in practice you guys are wrestling with, what, six people in practice? Yeah. Eight, maybe, <laughs> something like that. I mean, you guys don't have a huge team, so, you know, it's like you guys, uh, you're, not, you're probably not even half the time wrestling a guy that similar to your weight in practice, right? Well, our our um, 160 pounder was the person who went two states with us. Mm -hmm. He's the one who made the states. He went all the way. So he was my workout partner, and he's only one weight class different. Mm -hmm. But other than that, like, the next one was, like, three weight classes down, I think, or two weight classes down, something like that. And then we had one one weight class down from him, and then the other one, we had a 215-pounder. So, I mean, it's hard to it's hard when you go to a small yeah. school and a school that doesn't uh, – our school doesn't really support wrestling as much as, like, football and basketball. We have, like, three basketball teams. We have a varsity JV and a freshman team, and we don't even have half of a wrestling team. So I mean, I, hope, you, you hope this will change that. I I hope I doubt it will. I doubt we'll get any more people. I really hope, but I mean, we got some eighth graders coming up, so that'll be good. We got like four or five eighth graders coming up, so that'll fill out our team. And we we only have one senior leaving, so that's good. But I doubt we'll get any new people. I, I'm glad James led in with that question because I did want to ask you. When you only have when you have that few people on a team, do you think that that made it more difficult, or did it make it easier to get to where you and and Brennan got to this year? Because I would feel like you get a little bit more one on one coaching probably when there's fewer guys, but at the same time you want to be competitive in duels, and when you don't have enough people, it's almost impossible. Yeah, I mean it's it's good and it's bad. It's good because you get the one on one coaching. You he can see all the little things they're doing wrong but it's bad because the way to, the way that to get better is to have good drilling partners you want to have people that can push you 
and live goes during practice. And when, <laughs> again, I'm trying not to be cocky, but but um, I, I beat up on basically my whole team. I, Brennan, Brennan gives me a good challenge occasionally, but I usually beat, on, beat up on them in practice. <laughs> so we, we'll bring in occasionally some other people uh, for me to wrestle that'll beat up on me. So I feel like them, but... <laughs> But, I mean, it, it is all about having really good drilling partners. So having a big team like you, uh, I don't know if you know Division One Detroit Catholic Central, they have, like, they have like five different teams. And their, wow. their main team, they have, like, two, they're, uh, they got two people at each weight, and those two people are both state-ranked. So having those guys <laughs> go against each other in practice every day, it just gets you better and better. And, like, uh, you can't take that for granted. Now, now... Guys- I was going to say, you being the resident state champ now, do you think that there's going to be a lot of guys in practice trying to come at you even harder, you know, and make, make sure that you're the one pushing them? Bring it on, right? Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> this, year, this year to try to get more people, my dad, my dad said that I could tell people that if they try and wrestle me, if they take me down, he'd give them 50 bucks. But that ended up only getting one person to try out, and he, he came. Do you know Evan McGee? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He ended up coming. He came to a few practices, and he actually competed at conference. He ended up going 0-2 because he only did, like, three practices or something. But, I mean, he, he tried it out, and he said he really liked it. He said he wished he came earlier in the season, tried out for the whole season. In our, uh, well, we call it the pre-show fist fight when we're talking before the interview starts, but uh, you said, or I asked you how you celebrated or if you did celebrating, and you, you said basically a lot of food. So, you know, when you're limited throughout the year, kind of what you can eat, what what the weekend look like after that win as far as your uh, – your food intake well i uh, i told myself uh like halfway through the season i'm like uh the one thing that i want to do right after states is done win or lose i don't care i'm getting a concrete mixer from culver's because that is <laughs> like my number one thing i love concrete mixers from culver's so i did ended up i ended up getting that yesterday i got my concrete mixer but right after i won we went out celebrated got pizza at this pizza i forgot what the place is called it wasn't detroit and then we ended up going back to our hotel, and I had some, like, donuts. <laughs> donut. It was, like, ch- a chocolate-filled donut. I ended up having that. And then we had a ton of snacks. I just snacked out, kind of pigged out. But I, I couldn't really eat as much as I wanted to because my stomach is really small from not being able to eat yeah. that much the whole season. So I'm still trying to grow my stomach right now so I can <laughs> eat more because I, I want to eat as much as I can because, you know, why not? So you didn't get yourself through that entire pizza? No, I only ate like half of it, yeah. And it wasn't even that big. I was kind of disappointed with myself. <laughs> I, was, I was disappointed. You haven't been able to go full Chase LaJoy yet? <laughs> no, definitely not. Tell, mm. us, tell us a little bit about that story. You were, before we started well, recording, um, you were talking. I, I, I was telling you guys that a lot of people, or usually what I do is I get down, uh, my weight class is 152, but um, once you make the weight class, uh, they give you a two-pound allowance. This is after, um, I think, Christmas. Okay. After New Year's, you start to get a two-pound allowance, but you have to make the scratch. So I made the 152, and then after I make the 152, after New Year's, you get to make the 154. So I usually hover in the 160 area, like below 160, so I just have to lose like six pounds each week. I lose six pounds, usually gain it back up. Like Sunday is kind of like my cheat day. I eat as much as I want, just do whatever I want. But then I lose the six pounds gradually throughout the week. But some people... Do not do that, and they'll gain, like, 15 pounds and then have to lose, like, 15 pounds in, like, the last, like, three days, and it gets really bad. But the worst case that I've seen this is from Chase LaJoy, and he wrestled 112 last year. There, last year, not this year. He wrestled 112 last year, and I came into a summer practice at Gaylord, and he was, like, 140, 150, and he <laughs> had, like, puffy cheeks. He had a gut on him. He was big. And I, I thought, like, he had, like, kidney problems or something because he just looked like that. And I was like, I was like, how much he weighed? He's like, he's like 145, 150, something like that. And I'm like, oh, my. Like, you're going to lose that weight? He's like, he's like yeah. And he, he told me that after he's done with wrestling and stuff, he's just going to get fat because he just likes being fat, I guess. I don't know. Chase is a cool guy, though. Chase is really nice. He's an awesome dude. No, but... But I guess that would have to be your reaction after having to cut weight constantly for, for as long as... How, when did you start wrestling? Uh, around, like, third, fourth grade. Okay, so, like, so, I mean, you've been, you've been on a pretty strict diet plan since you've been eight years old. 
I, give or take, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Exactly. So I'm sure there's got to be a, an inkling in the back of your mind, I would love to be fat slob every once yeah. in a while. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, well, a point that James has brought up the last couple of weeks uh, is just the fact that the Simaz last name is littered throughout the MHSA record books. Are you related to all of them, and, and what does it mean to now have your uh, name in alongside the others? Uh, so my I have three cousins or four cousins that are uh, three of them three of them are in the record book. Uh, there you go. Eric is the oldest. Eric Simaz. Cam is the second oldest. Taylor's the third oldest, and then Kyle is the youngest. And as of now, Kyle's at Cornell right now. And uh, Cam, Taylor, and Kyle all went to Cornell to wrestle, and Eric went to CMU to wrestle. And um, all, all four of them are my cousins. They're uh, my dad's brother's sons. Um, and, yeah, that, they kind of built up the family name. They wrestled at Allegan. They built up the Allegan program. And they built up the Allegan program enough to where they could go to states, team states, like, every year. The thing is, uh, if you get to team state, if you go, like, uh, it's uh, uh, if you go from districts to regionals to states, that's a lot of like extra matches. Like we, our team, we lose at districts just because we only have five guys. Yeah. And if you don't have someone at a weight, it counts for as many points as a pin, which is six. So like, obviously, if you have five guys and there's fourteen weights, yes. mathematically yeah. you can't win. It's just not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. If the other team has a full uh, lineup, so them going to states every single year. Uh, they get a lot of matches, and they are very good wrestlers. Freshman, sophomore, junior year, they all had very like high winning records. And uh, Cam, Cam, t- Kyle, and Taylor are all in the top ten for the most wins in a uh, career wins in high school. And uh, Eric, I don't think I don't think he's in any of those. But they were all four of them were state champs. Cam was a three time state champ. Taylor, I think Taylor was a two-time state champ along with Kyle, but Kyle was a four-time finalist. He lost oh, in the wow. finals his freshman and sophomore year, and that. But he was a two-time state champ, and then Eric won states once, and then um, three of them obviously went on to Cornell. But Cam was the real like was the big wrestler. He wrestled at Cornell. He's a four-time All-American, placed eighth, third, third, first. I wow. think. Something, something like that. He, he won it his last year. He was in NCAA. In 2012, he was the champion. And, um, yeah, that's the family legacy that I have to live up to, I guess. <laughs> it's well, kind of rough. No wonder you were nervous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then your dad's a coach. Your dad was a pretty good wrestler back in yeah, the day, Yeah, my too. dad was a state champ in 82, I think. 1982, yeah. So what's, the, what was, what's been the best part and the toughest part about your dad being your coach? Uh, I guess the best part, or one of the, I'll say the, a good part and the best part. The good part is I can talk to him as my dad. So I can, like, discuss, like, wrestling stuff as he's my dad. I don't have to, like, I can talk uh, formally to him. I don't have to address him as coach. I don't, like, I, I should be respectful of my dad, obviously, but sometimes I'll say, like, dumb stuff to my dad <laughs> just to mess around. But um, it's really good to talk to him formally. But, um... Bad stuff, I don't, or, or great stuff. Uh, he gets to coach me on every little thing that I do. Make sure I'm I'm a great wrestler, but also a great man, and that I can keep my grades up. He he stresses grades so much because he struggled with grades in college, and that's what prevented him from competing in wrestling. So he knows that grades are great, or grades are very important. So he really stresses that a lot, and that's that's probably one of the main things that's great about him being a dad too is he can stress that type of stuff. As a coach, you can, you can tell your, your, your um, wrestlers to, like, you know, do your homework, like, study for your tests, but you can't really make them as a coach. So that's good. But bad stuff, I, I or just, can't really think. Yeah, well, yeah, I wasn't looking for bad stuff, but yeah. just maybe a challenge because he's your dad that somebody whose dad isn't the coach wouldn't have to deal with. But people usually say that their dad, if, if their parents were their coach, then, like, they're hardest on them. I mean, there's yeah, one, but there's one thing that's pretty common. It's it's a it's a bad thing, but it's also a good thing because like mm-hmm. them being harder on you makes you better. Exactly. But like bad thing, yeah, I guess they they yell at you and practice more and stuff like that. But <laughs> well, you can take it, right? Yeah, I can take it. Yeah. I know. I talked to your dad yesterday. 
or uh, Saturday after your match, and he told me, I think we calculated you got 136 career wins right now. Yeah, Might something be, Yeah, like something right around there. You said you're looking for 200. Is that something that you're looking at, or is that something I, that, your, that your dad just saying, hey, I, I'm trying to push it and see if we can get 64 wins in a year I would can't, be pretty crazy, I can't right? do that. I don't think I can. You'd have to get through the team. You'd have to go well, through team states, too, wouldn't you? The thing is that you can have, I think it's 14 weigh-ins a year. So um, that that's weekday and weekend. Those each count as a weigh-in. So, like, dual meets. Uh, so if we just uh, weigh in for a tournament, uh, you could get anywhere from three to four matches, three to four to five matches, and if you have five matches, you can't win all those because because yeah. that's uh, according to MHSA, they won't let you wrestle more than four match or five matches in a day. But um, that's beyond the point. But um, if we wrestle um, a team tournament, you get five matches every tournament. So um, if you see, I think the the record for the most wins in a season is like seventy two, I think, and that person. Uh, back then it was 16 weigh-ins, but what that person did is their their team went to all team tournaments. So he got five matches every weekend, or almost every weekend, mm-hmm. instead of only getting like three. Because if you have an eight-man bracket, yeah. you go quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, and that's only three wins instead of getting a five. So that builds up, but it all comes down to team if you're going to get that many wins. Because yeah. they get in those extra wins. So I doubt it's possible for me to get to 200. I would love to, obviously, but I doubt. I I'm shooting for like one seventy, maybe next year one eighty, something like that. You can't just go. Uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna sit out these Lake Michigan matches, and so I can go into more tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't do that. No, <laughs> I wish. I wish I could, but I can't. Time to get to the freaky fast five. A nod to our sponsors, the Jimmy Johns. Uh, Jake came up with a couple of questions for this week's rendition, uh, Andy, that he'll ask you. I don't know what they are, but they're just usually rapid fire, kind of fun stuff. And then I'll, uh, I'll pick it up where, where he leaves off to get to five. So Jake, fire away. All right. So just to keep on the wrestling thing, if there was one move or like finishing move that you wish was allowed in like regular wrestling, what would it be? Uh, definitely the suplex. Yeah. Just over the top. Yeah. Cause in, in folk style, you're not allowed to slam people. So, uh, but in freestyle and Greco, you can do that. So I really wish that I could do that folk style. So, so for, like, home dual meets, mm-hmm. I could just get some, like, putt or something from another <laughs> school who's, like, a first-time wrestler and just suplex them for the crowd. Yeah. I really want to do that, but you can't do that. Yeah. It's not allowed. So Okay, so um, so what is the best piece of advice a coach, which could be your dad or just a mentor, has given you about wrestling? Uh, just go out there and have fun. Because, like, obviously you get nervous for every single match, but the more fun you're having, the better you'll perform, basically. Alrighty, now this is a real off off tilter, but uh, if you could own one mystical pet, what would it be? Or an animal <laughs> to make it your pet, like a unicorn or or a, a minotaur? I don't know, a mystical animal. Uh, what would be your pet? What's the What's the horse with wings? Uh, Pegasus. 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 I'm gonna Pegasus. go with the Pegasus. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm good there. <laughs> All right. What What is the weirdest or most stupid thing that an opponent has done to try to get in your head? Oh, that's a good question, James. I like that. Uh, it, it, it isn't really getting in my head, but um, one of our first um, meets of the year, um, we went to, I forgot where it was. It was like Lakes, it was, it was like Lake something. I forgot what it was. But um, it was a dual meet. It was a weekday. And there was a team there. And like we finished everything. And um, this one kid was in the locker room. Just one kid from the other school. I, I don't even remember what school he's from. But he look, he talked to us. He's like he's like, who's your one forty pounder? And we pointed to him, and he's like, I'm gonna beat I'm gonna beat your. And they said, I don't I, we're not allowed to swear on this, and I'm not gonna swear. <laughs> but he said a swear word. He's like, next time I see you, and we're like we're like okay, like whatever, dude. And then and then he's like trying to get in his head, my friend's head or whatever. But I turned to him and I was like, hey, who's your one fifty two pounder? <laughs> And he said, like, oh, you're not going to beat a 152-pounder. And I was like, I was like, well, I'll make sure to beat his <laughs> yeah, <leg yeah. laughs> next time I see him. And I just kind of walked out after that. But that was, was kind of funny, I guess. Did you get to live up to it? Did you get to beat him? I never wrestled them again. I, I don't even remember what team it was. But, it was you, but you can just yet. tell him now. You can say, well, I'm the state champion. Yeah, yeah like, nobody so. beat me. Come Pretty on. much I, I think should it was funny because you know. he's, like, he's like, no, there's no way. Our 152-pounder is so good. You're not going to beat him. And I was like, Whatever, dude. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I had a kid one time when I wrestled him, when I, when I did a cross face, he, he opened his mouth up and raked his braces oh my across, my, across my forearm and, like, ripped up my Ooh. forearm. Mm. 
wow, that's rude. And I like, I like shot up, <laughs> and then like showing the referee, and they're like just like dripping blood and stuff. In my I know, I know my. First and the referee match. gives him a point for escape, <laughs> and then doesn't do anything about it. He's just like, continue. And I'm like, what the hell? I, I know my first match uh, at States, I wrestled the, the kid who took fourth in the other region, but um, I took him down in the first period, and he grabs my pinky and just rips it back, like, really hard. And I stopped the match, I'm, like, holding my pinky. I'm, like, did he, this kid just break my finger, like, right off the bat? And it, it's kind of bruised, it's not that bad, but, I mean, I guess if you're not going to beat me, just break my finger, why not? <laughs> All right, well, the two of you left me with one question, so I'm going to jump to this one. And uh, it, in I guess in honor of friend of the show, 7 and 4's Harrison Beebe, do, do you enjoy pro wrestling? And who who's your favorite pro wrestler? I mean, uh, like the fake pro wrestling yes. stuff? Yes, yes. I mean, <laughs> I don't dislike it. I don't, I don't at, like, avidly watch it. But um, I think you got to go with John Cena, though, because he's just the most well-known one. And he's in a lot of movies that I've that I've enjoyed over the years now. So I mean, all right, awesome. Well, that wraps up the Freaky Fast Five as well as this interview. So Andy, we really appreciate you stopping in the studio for episode seventy-one of the Get Around Podcast. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Another big thank you to Traverse City St. Francis wrestler Andy Simons. That conversation brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. we got to jump right in to the Get Around Hall of Fame this week because we are short on time, and those of our, our wonderful Audible viewers are probably short on time too. So let's roll. We've got three candidates. James, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to put up. Jake Stevenson from the Bay Reps. Uh, he had a goal in the regional championship win that they had on Saturday evening. Um, he's just had a really good season, you know, all, pretty much all the year. I think he's got to be right up there for one of the leading hockey scorers in uh, in all of our coverage area too, um, leading the Reps in goals and uh, right up there in assists, leading them by point points by a, a little margin. So, uh, put Stevenson up there. I'm gonna look over to Frankfurt who advanced uh, through their district, won a championship, and uh, someone who made a huge difference in both the district semifinal and the final was Jack Stefanski, a, a previous guest of the Get Around podcast. In that semifinal win over Onekama, I believe he had 31 points, 18 rebounds, then he had another 16 against Bear Lake in the championship game. So I'm going to go with uh, Stefanski. Jake? I think I'm taking the easy route like I have over the last few weeks, but... I'm going to go with our guest, Andy Simon, state champ, 152, sweeping out the weekend in overtime. So we're going to have another week where the guest is the Get Around podcast. It's kind of hard Hall not of to be, entrance. right? Right? Yeah. I mean, is, it, is, is that the vote, James? You got, Simas? You got Simas? Yeah. Simas. Simas. State champion. State championship. Undisputed. Stevenson's got another shot. Congra- right? Yeah. right? Yeah. Probably. Congratulations, Andy. You are the latest member to be inducted into the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. And with the brief amount of time we have left in episode 71, so sad it's ending, is our trifecta, which is... Drum roll, because it's going to be news to us. I finished for the sixth or seventh time the Lord of the Rings trilogy last night, but I watched the extended cuts that Harrison... Shout That's out the only fours. way to watch them, man, is oh. the extended cuts. Okay, no, I was just bringing it up. I, right. This was a 15-hour experience Yes. once again. Uh, it's funny because when you start them at 1 in the morning, you're up until 6 in the morning. But uh, I was going to ask, if you had to be one character in Lord of the Rings, who would it be? Because like they all have such different strengths and weaknesses, and they're all you know, they're all so different, different... Or even if you'd be one are, are race. We ta- are we talking just to live out their movie life? No, no. Like, like, or if, you like were just, if it was a real world, who would we be? I would say if it was like a real world, who would they be? I'm going to go first. Okay. Because I would definitely be Legolas. Like, dead accurate. Like, I, after, after watching that one again last night, when he, he's coming out, him and Gimli are going at it. And all, I love how they're always in their little battles. But when he takes down that elephant... He jumps up and he swings up rents, cuts off the whole top, kills like 40 people at once, and then just shoots the elephant in the back of the head and then does his little, his little like surfer mood down the nose. Yeah, 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 that's, 
that just tells me that's just like in the in the two towers when he grabs the shield, throws it down the stairs, and he just starts unloading on all the orcs with uh, with his bow and arrow, just chopping one after the other. Yeah, and I mean elves live forever, so that'd be pretty sweet too. Yeah, he's kind of like the Wolverine of the. Yeah. Of that, of that world. But hey, Aragorn's pretty sweet, man. <clears throat> it, well, the reason I asked the question about whether it was like a full lifetime or just the movie lifetime of the character is because if it had been the movie lifetime, I just I really like how the story of Boromir plays out okay. and the way he goes down fighting at the end of the first one. And I don't, what's it, three, four arrows to the chest mm-hmm. and just keeps swinging, hacking guys to pieces until the very end. But since we're going overall outside of the uh, the movie time frame, I think I'm going to have to change it up a little bit. And... <clears throat> Ooh. This is... Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit torn here because, yeah, Aragorn is definitely uh, worthy. Um... I like the idea of magic, so Gandalf. Would yeah, be pretty, that's right. And coming pretty, back, you can just BA. doesn't matter if you die; you can just come back another color. But then, even like uh, Merry or Pippin would be super fun, just yeah. because, like you know, they just they're sort of background they characters have, a little bit. Fun, they're they're yeah. eating, drinking, but still going on these wonderful adventures. It really has no bearing if they do anything <laughs> wrong. Uh, so, and they get to go ride around in the Ents, and yeah. So, but okay. I, Magic's too tough to pass up. I'll go with Gandalf. I'm guaranteed a nice long life that way too. So yeah, we'll go. We'll go with Gandalf. Okay. Well, you guys are leaving me Aragorn, so I'm. Well, you want to be Gimli? To, I'm gonna have to take that. You wouldn't want to be Gimli? I'm already a dwarf. I'm the shortest <laughs> guy here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there so, you have it. Yeah. We didn't know we were gonna become our favorite Lord of the Rings characters before this show, and now we know who we'd be. So I know I wouldn't need no Frodo Baggins. No, that that's the one that. But dude, like, but everybody needs a Samwise Gamgee in their life. I realized no, that no. when I was watching it last night again and again. Everybody needs a Samwise. So if you got a Samwise, don't give him up for Gollum. Yeah. Frodo wouldn't be that bad though. Long life. Dude, the guy's tortured. Well, just because he long life, that's because he, he gets the he gets welcomed into long life. He, he doesn't he, get to he do that. He literally spends not just the trilogy, but. If you do some of the reading of the stuff that happened, I mean, he's yeah, he gets to go to the Grey Havens, but he's probably still miserable over oh, there. Yeah. Do you have, do you, do you <laughs> see, like, in the last part of the movie, he's got, like, 17 holes, like, scars in his chest from the travels. His eyes don't work anymore. He hasn't eaten in 16 days, like... I mean, I'd pick him over Gollum, but... Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Duh. Uh, but he gets the... to live for hundreds of years before that and just kind of party in the Shire. Yeah. This has been episode 71 of the Get Around Podcast. I've been your host, Brett Summers. Alongside me, James Cook and Jake Atnip. Thanks and have a good one.